Hello and welcome to the Emerald Gamecast, episode number the seven. My name is Nolan. With me is... I'm Alex. And? I'm Andrea, allegedly. Allegedly. So we've heard. Andrea. And we're here to talk about some goddamn video games. You played you one of those? Can, do you think we can talk about something else this week? You know, just to spice it up a little bit. Okay, I have an idea. We were talking about VeggieTales for quite a while before we were recording. We were, that's true. <laughs> there were some VeggieTales video games. There we can was. tie that in. But, Alex, just for you... We'll talk about something else besides a video game to start this podcast. How about we talk about an animated film, a movie? Dude, VeggieTales. I love no. that. That's right. <laughs> okay. We're not here to talk about VeggieTales. We're going to talk about Detective Pikachu because our producer told us that if we didn't, they would cry. We're under duress and we're discussing this under threat of penalty. So here us. we go. <laughs> All right, so what did you all think of Detective Pikachu? And we all saw it together. By the- no, we did, actually, yes. well, yeah, yeah we, we did, did. Yeah, by the way. I saw it again with some friends in my hometown, but yes. Yeah, you liked it a lot, didn't you? Tell us what you thought of it. You're kind of like the resident Pokemon guy in this group, I, I want to um, say. Maybe Andy. No, it's me. Well, no, but Andy, you're the resident Pokemon girl <laughs> in oh, this yeah. group. So <laughs> anyways, Alex, talk about the if rat. Gonna, if we're going to gender which Pokemon we are. The rat was fine. I, I, I mean, I okay, <laughs> I don't really, it's not much to write home about. Like, okay. people are saying it's the best video game movie that's come out, but that's a low fucking bar. It, okay, like, is this the first video game movie to break the spell of the unadaptable medium? No, because the Mortal Kombat movies were great. They were exactly like the games. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. They were stupid and bullshit and hyper-violent. So would that's you, all you need. Would you consider Detective Pikachu kind of stupid and bullshit as well? No, it's I just think boring. It was, I think it was pretty, like, sincerely done, and I actually had a really good time though i'll agree parts of it were boring specifically the second act because where i oh, think this movie yeah. really thrived this movie was a fan service film through and through and so where it really thrived for me was in the beginning when they enter the uh city which forms like the hub location for the film and seeing all the pokemon they animated and that's the novelty of the entire movie yeah they that's just all four of its wheels everything at you yeah at and once. so when you're in scenes in extended periods of time where they're not exploring the city the plot itself i don't think it really carried what i was gonna say was that like this movie kind of disappointed me not because it was a bad film but just based on the promotional material and and the initial first trailer and website they put up i thought they were gonna take the whole thing a little bit more seriously really though because like ryan reynolds on his youtube was just shit posting all the time yeah but i'm I'm talking this was the attitude i had when they first released it like Uh. i would go on their website and it's like oh my god there's fan service on this entire webpage, literally every single storefront is like a reference to. There's like a lot of deep cuts. Yeah, there is. There are a lot of deep cuts in the movie too. Yeah, and I thought, okay, yeah, they're being true to the source material, but just the way that it looks, the mise en scène of everything, Ooh. just made me feel like it was gonna be a little bit more serious. Yeah, because it's not that bright, colorful, whatever. If you were to, it's really kitty. Just watch the first couple of trailers. It's actually incredibly like Blade Runner esque looking. And the movie didn't really deliver on what I expected to be like a Pokemon noir film, you know? They, the director um, it does that for like that. 20 minutes, maybe. The director you know? talked about that, how certain scenes were like lit to look like a noir film. But they, they didn't did go well. They did really they well They didn't go as that. far as I would have liked. And like Ryan Reynolds has some lines where he says things like a detective would. Um, I was hoping for like a Pikachu narration. Yeah, I wish they pushed that know? a little more. I wish they pushed the detective angle yeah. a little bit more. The Mr. Mime scene was great. Yeah. That's all, that's all I'm going to say about it. I just yeah. really like that scene. Yeah. <laughs> so, sequel was greenlit by Legendary Entertainment. Oren Uziel is signed under the screenwriter. Are you Who familiar? Who is that? 
I'm about to tell you. Okay. You ever heard of a movie called Sonic the Hedgehog? Oh, no. The He's scre- the same he, yep, one? He is writing the sequel to Detective Pikachu as no well. No one man should have all that power. Yeah, yeah. That's against the rules. Our future is in good hands. No. Our future is in white-gloved hands <laughs> with blue arms <laughs> and a mono eye. Just like us. Into our next topic. Guys. I'm able to say something today that I've been wanting to say since seventh grade, which is that the day this episode releases, the review embargo lifts for a game that I got a press copy of. I've never gotten a pre-release game before. Awesome. You're like a real games journalist now. I, you did and it, it was insane. They gave it to me like 25 days wow. prior to the release date, I think. It, I don't know why they accepted my request. Literally within like... 45 minutes. Well, it's it, because you're in the credible organization of the Daily Emerald. This and good at Daily Emerald email address, which, by the way, you should send questions to if you have them, is a wonderful power move I have where I have this official address that people, like, will give me free things. And NIS did. They gave me this game, Lapis Labyrinth, <laughs> which unfortunately sucks. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what and where that is? <laughs> I do, I do. Because we have no, you haven't said anything because you've been under embargo, so we have no idea about this game. That's right. So this is, I guess, kind of an informal review. So this this game is really strange. Have you guys played Disgaea before? Yeah. Do you know Disgaea? I play Disgaea. Okay. Oh, no, I've just seen the art. For those who don't, Disgaea is a strategy RPG. You collect a, just a bunch of characters, you customize them, and go into these sort of Final Fantasy Tactics-esque battles. But the thing that this game does to set it apart is escalates its like growth of numbers to an absurd degree to where you're you're landing like two million damage hits and just doing this insane stuff. Lapis Labyrinth is going for a similar thing to Disgaea where its gameplay is entirely focused on player satisfaction. So it's this dungeon crawler that plays as a side scroller. And the weird thing is you play as four characters stacked on top of one another in a vertical stack. And you have all their abilities available to you at the same time. So you're going through and you can switch between who's on the bottom of the stack and who's in what order. And basically, whoever's on the bottom of the stack, you're using like Smash Brothers style inputs. Like basic attack, strong attack, and then plus directions to do combos. And you're just going through and whacking stuff and getting treasure. But this game is completely reliant on this like pachinko machine-esque aesthetic where imagine this like low-res 2D game where when you hit a group of enemies hard enough, it fills the screen up with such a multitude of gems and coins and treasure and screen effects that my Switch loses frames. I'm pretty sure that's called Diablo 3. Yeah, it's got this Diablo thing, but like it's not but like the thing is the gameplay's not fun. It's just the only draw here is the aesthetic of like the coin noises. It's like the sound of walking through Kabuki Cho at midnight with all the pachinko parlors with their doors open. At yeah, once. it sounds like Diablo you know Three. It's it's yeah. the, like haptic feedback of like, oh, this is a good sound. Brain like good sound. Keep playing game to hear more good sound. Have yeah. more good thing happen. So here's the thing that I would be okay with that with like a well crafted experience. And not to rag on you, NIS, but now hold up. I just want to take a moment to um, call Alex out. I don't think that's a fair thing to say when I remember you had a big cookie clicker like face. That's true. You were an idle game boy. Okay, but I didn't pay any money. To play Cookie Clicker. That's fair. That's true. Yeah. This game, how much does this game cost? You know? This game is $60 and it plays like a $20 indie game. And I know that the Japanese market is generally more willing to pay large prices for things that are not, in my opinion, worth it. Like, for example, some animes release at like $130 for 13 episodes on Blu rays. It's ridiculous. But, okay. 
This game borrows mechanics from a bunch of successful small indie games without replicating like what actually makes those mechanics work. Like for example, in Spelunky, if you're in a room looking for treasure for more than like four minutes or whatever, it spawns this ghost that insta-kills you on contact. This game has that too, but it's not like it's procedurally generated. So it's not like you're in, in these rooms looking for like poking around to find treasure. And in fact, I played six levels and within six levels I found three repeat layouts the second set of three levels was an exact replica of the first set but in reverse order do you think there's potential for this to like improve with time like do you think that later on in the game that the environment starts to get a little more dynamic or do you think that even with that even if that does happen it's just doomed to not be that good of a game you know I think that it won't change much because it seems like a pretty one and done project I will say I think that the market is out there for this I can see like a guy on his subway commute to work really enjoying just slamming some monsters and getting some feedback because really the game is just cluing into that kind of like human need for for like ding 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 success sounds and if you're into that and you have some extra cash to throw around this game doesn't play so bad that it's a terrible choice of game it's just that it's not it doesn't provide the tactical fun of Disgaea it doesn't provide the satisfaction of Diablo it just provides the ding ding money noises of Pachinko, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, so I'll just run through this quick little list of bullet points and read them out. So, you're picking the characters in the beginning of the game. It doesn't tell you the stats of any of them, so you're only picking off the way that it looks. That's how I do everything anyway. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I wrote, my note here says Monster Hunter meets Spelunky meets Gambling, which is like... Wait. You keep bringing up Pachinko. Is there a gambling aspect, or is it literally just the sound of, like, I'm saying, noises? like, thematically it looks like gambling, but it's so freaking easy. There's not even really a lose state. I mean, there kind of is, but it's like it's like Dynasty Warriors, right? You can run through, like, 100 enemies with no no trouble holding you back. Um, I wrote, looks procedural but isn't, which is, you know, not a good thing. Untranslated voice lines, the characters say things vocally that are pretty important to knowing like when the level opens its gates where you can move on. The only way that you know when the level opens its gates is by a character saying it in Japanese, and they don't translate that. So if you're not, you know. Uh, and then I wrote, literally hold X to win. So, and then I wrote, this literally costs $60? So yeah. you, you kind of get the point. I won't so, go on too much about so it. You but, would... uh, I would not recommend Lapis X Labyrinth. Oh, Here's another bullet point I wrote. Monster Hunter, Spelunky, Disgaea, Smash, Odin Sphere, Muramasa, Roguelikes, none of the good stuff. These are all video games. Which is which is my back-of-the-box quote. Okay, if so you won't recommend can, that, yeah. would you recommend Mario Maker 2? Did you guys watch the Direct? Yes, yes. I would recommend a... the hell out of that game. Talk about I that to me. I want it so bad. For, for a little context, uh, Nintendo does these things called Nintendo Directs where they will say like a couple days in advance, like, hey, we're going to live stream at some announcements of a game or like a couple games coming out. And this time they spent 15 minutes on Super Mario Maker 2, oh, the sequel so to Super Mario Maker for the Wii U. Which is exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all watched it. What do you think? The, the amount of content they added to this is insane. It's crazy. The thing I'm most excited for is to see the explosion of content created from uh, yes. that weird subset of YouTube that is like tangential to speedrunners where they're just like, hey, I'm going to play this Mario game with a really weird modifier. Like those people who are, who will try to, uh, you know, play through all of Super Mario Bros. U without touching a single coin. Yep. I uh, love you, Keeve Gaming. Rolling rock with a half A press. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm curious to see people make the hardest, most infuriating levels that they possibly can. That's like, the boring how, part though. But like making that Obviously, you can make them really hard, but like to make that like fair and achievable, I feel like there's a there's a nice balance to strike there. But we've already gotten that with Mario Maker One. What I'm excited to see now is like, 
they've given us basically every single Oh, right, tool. the win conditions. Yeah, they've yes, given us yeah. pretty much every single tool that Nintendo themselves has uh-huh. when creating a Mar- 2D Mario game, which is insane. I want to talk about the this this combination that I'm predicting will be really wonderful for the scene of people who want to create Mario Maker content that is not strictly platforming levels which is one the win conditions they added a whole bunch of them i forget them right now but basically they added more things than just clear course Kill like X stuff collect x right. coins yeah the the combination of that and the addition of this new thing where you can add visual filters and sound effects to different actions in yeah. enemies that, that was going in mario to maker let... one but still oh okay okay yeah but it wasn't very good but, yeah but yeah. they've they've you know ramped it oh, up yeah, now yeah, and yeah. you can put comments on that was a market one too right yes, comments. Yeah, okay yeah the point is, they've added tools that are going to allow people to make these like rudimentary narrative experiences, which I'm really interested if people will play with those. Like, you can, there's so much more you can do now with like a Mario haunted house. Instead of clearing the goal, it can be like find the three hidden things or whatever, and you can you, and you can contextualize <laughs> that with just the Every title game. of the course. You know, we can recreate Slender the Eight Pages you in can, Mario. Yes, <laughs> yes. So excited with the ghost house theme, and you put it in a forest, and then you have the moon. You can make it nighttime and make it dark. And you can give him a car. You can. There's going to be car levels. Mario this, got his license. The car levels are going to revolutionize the hold right industry. Mario, more <laughs> like Mario. Ah, man, I can't wait. I, well, I think we've missed one of the most interesting things for yeah. us personally. There's multiplayer. Yes, there's multiplayer and now. And it's online too. Online multiplayer. Yes. Not just like playing through the levels that people have built, but two people can make a level together. That seems like a clusterfuck. I don't know how I feel about that. But I love that they okay, add. I but, love that it's a thing. Yeah, but yeah. making it together, you, you could basically play like Ultimate Chicken Horse in Mario, which would be really, mm-hmm. really fun. I think we should do that. Absolutely. Halo yeah. Forge, the Mario edition. Halo Forge, the Mario <laughs> edition. Nintendo, I can't wait to play your game. So can we just like really quickly talk about this trend of Nintendo focusing in on one game? I remember in E3 recently that had 30 minutes of Smash. Now we get like 17 minutes of Mario Maker 2. Yeah. I, I love this. I wish that more people did this. And the only people I can think of in the past that have done this besides Nintendo was like the original row of trailers for Red Dead 1 and Grand Theft Auto 5. I, you know? I don't really like it because it's not Animal Crossing. Oh, yeah. I want AC Switch we'll so see. bad. We will hear something. I, mark my words. I'll put $5 on the table right now. We will hear something about Animal Crossing. It's even if it's be. like Even it's if it's got, like at, we're working E3, on it. Give yes, me, yes. Give me a time. Yeah. At, at E3? At yeah, E3, no, yeah. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. During their, well, they don't technically do E3. They're in a direct at the same time as E3. But they do E3. It's they the same E3. thing. They had a booth there. I, I guarantee you. I will bet a crisp, a crisp Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln himself, on the fact that we will hear something about Animal Crossing. Okay, but that's that's not a bold decision. Yeah, you know who is not that's at why E3. I only bet a, an Abraham Lincoln this year, Alex. You know who is not attending E3? Your pals, Sony, because they're too busy concocting this sweet deal with Microsoft about cloud gaming. Which... Well, they're probably not attending for other reasons, but let's talk about the cloud gaming thing. Yeah, yeah, super yeah. cool. To be clear, I was joking. I don't know what Sony's up to. They're probably making their, like, four games they have coming out. They which... know Alex is going to be there, and they don't want to. They don't want to. Yeah. No, we didn't get press passes for E3. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but Microsoft and Sony are collaborating to make something. Well, they're not making something. They're collaborating to share resources together, which is a pretty big deal. Do you guys think this will go the way of the this, of the Nintendo PlayStation collab? This reminds me a lot of like Hollywood, like uh-huh. Legendary Pictures. The people who published uh, Detective Pikachu is actually a joint operation between Universal and Warner Brothers. Uh-huh. 
Um, Warner Brothers, I think, was the one that mainly published it or decided to take the credit for it. But they both work together on this. I'm very curious to see, or like, or like well, Hulu or to, Disney Plus or whatever, where they're like, oh, we're having these these collaborative efforts. To be clear, real quick, let's let's talk about what they're collaborating to accomplish. So essentially, the what they're doing is, uh, it doesn't sound as I mean, it's not as impressive as it sounds, but it is still pretty interesting. Basically, there's a, a big service that's mostly targeted towards companies called uh, cloud, uh, just sort of cloud computing. You mm-hmm. can basically rent servers and can put whatever you want on them. You can host whatever you want. There are a lot of providers who offer these kinds of services, the most popular being Amazon with their Amazon Web Service. However, mm-hmm. Microsoft themselves also have a cloud service that's called Microsoft Azure. Yeah. Essentially, Microsoft and Sony are teaming up, in a sense, in order to... Uh, research development for uh, cloud gaming that can be done on Microsoft's Azure program. And, I mean, we're seeing more and more of the signs of stepping into this physical content-free future. I mean, with Google investing in Stadia, I mean, there is whispers that the Xbox may move into an all-digital style of delivery of games. I see this as Microsoft and Sony teaming up and saying, look, we're the big console boys, and we're not going to have Google coming in disrupting our triangle here. Yeah, I think what's really interesting about this in particular is that it's pushing for game streaming, which is something that a lot of people have tried to work with. Like, that's Stadia's whole shtick. But it hasn't really worked. Technology's not quite there yet. Well, you know what? Actually, it is, I think, because reports are that Google Stadia is actually really smooth in the AC Odyssey demo they released, you know, a few months ago back. But the problem that I see is that there's an accessibility issue for neighborhoods that do not have high-speed internet that was going to, I predict, require console manufacturers to still do some kind of physical manufacturing to prevent these people from just being left out. Well, also, like, games are not passive like movies are, right? So, like, yeah, they aren't quite equivalent. They don't load in the same way. If people don't right. get immediate response with a game, that's that's not going to make Nobody happy. cares if Netflix is, is three seconds behind, but if you push a button that doesn't happen for three seconds, it ruins everything it, it's not just a minor inconvenience it, it destroys the what games thrive on which is the feeling of playing how long do you predict it'll take before streaming is a viable option for everyone and that ga- they can just move into this completely for everyone i don't think it ever will be uh-huh. for enough well, people let's, let's that they can make a sizable profit right. already let's say for enough people that sony and microsoft are willing to move completely away from physical content do you think completely it'll ever happen away. because personally i think there's so much money in physical content for collectors that i don't think they'll ever step away 15 from it. years do you think we'll ever get... Do you think we'll still get, like, collector's editions? That maybe even if they don't have a disk drive, they'd probably still make collector's boxes with codes in them for physical goodies and stuff. There are markets where modern systems don't even touch. In a lot of places in Brazil, there are still Dreamcast and SNES yeah. games still being made. In fact, they only stopped making the PlayStation 2, like, th- four years ago in South America or something like that? Exactly. I think if this continues, and it, a lot of it is an issue of the divide between uh, economic classes in the United States, yeah. if there's ever a point where like, there will be people who do not have access to these uh, you know, streaming platforms and it does go all digital, I believe there will be people stepping in to uh, you know, fill the gaps with whatever they can. Yeah, Sure. It's a lot like how DVDs and Blu-rays still come out, even though Netflix is become a thing right well, because I mean, there are people like we like we have friends that will buy blu-rays religiously for the sake of owning them and i'm not necessarily the kind of person that buys everything physically but if money were not 
an object and I could choose to own a physical game versus a digital copy, I will always go for the physical game. So I just wonder really if the benefits of moving to a streaming future would be in any way, like if people like me would really make any dent or are we a minority among people who are now playing games on their phone, on their on their computers? Collectors are a very tiny minority. But they're a very minority. They're one, a minority yeah. that spends a great deal of money, though. Yep. That is true. Yep. They it's are the whales. way that the entire industry in Japan basically functions. Like the anime and CD industry is off of whales. I'm not. A, I'm not a whale, but if I were rich, I might be. You know, the the whole streaming thing with games is really fascinating, and how it will change the landscape. Do you think that we're ever going to get like a universal like app that'll be like, here, you pay fifteen bucks a month, and you can just Play as many games as oh, you want. Personally, hell no. no. No, no, no. Because if you if that were gonna happen, that would have already happened with video streaming. When you saw Netflix create the one universal app, Hulu popped in, Amazon made their own, well, HBO I mean, made their own. Nobody is ever gonna say, Hey, let's all pool our profits together into one app because it's not a good business. Right, decision. let me clarify. That's not quite what I meant. I, meant I mean when the antitrust a... laws uh, expire when those are removed, sure we could have an Omnicorp coming yeah, in and giving like, us our games. Steam already got away with this for like a decade and then it only took other people to say hey wait a second why are we letting steam do this and to come in and and disrupt the market maybe what you're saying could happen for five or six years but someone's going to come in and say hey this law's written but we can loop around it and make our own thing." let me clarify when i say that i mean like universal i mean the fact that like the app could be played like netflix you could download the app on your switch maybe or maybe you could put it on your ps4 and people would, they would like maybe buy exclusive games even that you could play through that app. So like is, that's is, DRM, is, is, is what you're asking, do, you, do I think the industry will move away from being exclusives based on hardware to exclusives based on service? Do I think we will get a service-based streaming yeah. platform a la Netflix, a la Hulu? I can 100% see manufacturers moving away from making exclusive hardware boxes into, into saying we're providing an exclusive service that works on a number of devices. And that say you're subscribed to the Microsoft service or or the EA service, but you can play it on all your devices. I think that that is maybe what we'll see in 20, 30 years. Maybe, well, l- well l- less than that. That's too far out. But um, I don't ever see them becoming one from No, yeah. I, but, I, wa- I wanted to make that clear. That's not what I meant. But, but the era of having five boxes plugged into your TV on an HDMI switcher, I think that's on its last legs. Unfortunately, because I, I, like, the, I like the satisfaction of putting discs in slots. I like how it feels. That wasn't supposed to sound sexual. All right, so Minecraft Earth. <laughs> Minecraft Earth. Yeah, can we talk? I have no idea what this is. It's like Pokemon Go with blocks. Well, that, no, it's not. I have no idea what it is. Okay. We got a reveal trailer, which is really fascinating. It's certainly something. If you haven't seen it, it's guys, you should sort, go look this up. It's some sort of AR game involving Minecraft. I'm not yes. sure I understand it. Like a cell phone Minecraft game that's similar to Pokemon Go functions based off of like geographical location. So, yeah, essentially what it looks like is um, it's an AR game where you point your phone at something and then you're like, all right, this is where I'm going to build my whatever. Yeah. And then you can uh, essentially, like in the standard Minecraft, uh-huh. just design buildings, whatever you want, literally anything that can be made out of voxels and cubes, sure, build it. And Mm -hmm. then it will show up in the world through your phone and other people with the app will also be able to see it. If there's any actual game 
has yet to be seen. Well, I think that that in itself is a game. I mean, do you guys know of an, um, there's an app, I'm forgetting the name, but essentially what it is is that you can go around and you can draw on surfaces with your phone. And then if people walk around with that app open as an AR camera, they can see people's art around their neighborhood. That is literally this. It's but Yeah. Yeah, this is Minecraft blocks. I, so the game side I see is when the, when the girl in the trailer leaves her house on her bike, you see a bunch of little pieces pop up with individual blocks. I'm I'm foreseeing a Pokestop-esque system where you're spinning to get blocks. I was going to say, there's got to be some sort of like collaboration and unification. Mm-hmm. That's what Pokemon Go had, was it was like you wanted to network with people to work together and be exchange information and be like, oh, you can catch this thing here or like be on my team because we can go take this thing. Like what's the equivalent of a raid here is like you need three people to mine like a diamond deposit or something well, that's to the get thing. like a resource. That sounds infuriating. That well, but there's, really also, there's also mobs. They said there will be monsters and mobs in the press release. So combat? How is combat going to work? I'm just... What I'm understanding is that it's sort of like a sandbox where you can just sort of build things. But unless you're building something like super impressive, I the world is so big and the creative freedom that you have is so vast. I feel like there's not going to be enough draw to get people to go look at your things. I think that actually I, I'm thinking of this in a different way. I don't think it's going to be about personal creations. I think what will be most, most interesting in this is 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 maybe the idea of things becoming like community creations exactly that's what i think they're going for, for. example i can see someone going to the emu and making a big record like a 3d recreation of like the duck model from minecraft standing on top of the emu or something and then put like an o next to it you know is there a duck in minecraft yeah yeah totally yeah no oh chicken it's a chicken well it kind of looks it like quacks. a duck though, it you know? absolutely does look like a yeah. duck i wholeheartedly agree but it's a chicken because miku hatsune the creator of <laughs> Minecraft doesn't know the difference. Hatsune Miku, excuse me? No, I'm kidding. I actually don't know which is first and last name on that one. Um, but but yeah, thanks, thanks Miku. You made a cool game. Thanks, yeah, Miku. Thanks. Um, but you know, it it can be cool. I, I'm I'm curious if there will be like like public monuments. Like people will go and make like a thing that nobody nobody griefs for months because we all agree it's like no it's become a symbol of the minecraft community in eugene oh god real life griefing sounds that i didn't even think about that that's called terrorism (laughs) jesus christ god okay but real life griefing and the other thing is how is how is uh how is atsune miku gonna stop everyone from putting dicks on all the things broke alex That's a, that's another thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're gonna get people who are who don't who just exist to destroy, just like Minecraft. The first Minecraft server that I ever joined, the people were collaborating to build a giant dick out of golden blocks. This is gonna happen day one. It's gonna happen day two and three and four and all the days in perpetuity. How are they going to stop that? Because they can't individually check each thing. They could have a dick detection AI like but Super how? Smash like, there's so many. There's so much variety in the way you can create the the things. How will they do it? There's infinite permutations, so Miku won't have time to check them all. <laughs> but, it can't happen. But will they even try? Like, at what point are they going to be like, oh, this is well, an abstract have, well, representation? They, they have to try, because Minecraft's main demographic is children. Sure, And but if it, they don't try, they're going to get backlash, a lot of backlash. Imagine some eight-year-old kid who's excited to down, he builds a tower, and then it gets taken down because they deemed it inappropriate, right? Because it's like, just, like, vaguely yeah, dick-shaped. Like, like you how do you draw that line? <laughs> they could just have a permission system where you're just like, hey, this is my creation. You can't edit it, except mm. you can say, hey, here are my friends. They can they can that play yeah. my cool. sandbox. Yeah. That would be cool. Okay, I, so I wouldn't it, be surprised if that's just how they did it. An interesting detail is that the press release also says that when the game launches in its first form, you will not be able to view... P- 
creations will not be publicly visible. Only your own That's will be visible. Interesting. So okay. I think that they are definitely working on something because I don't, if the game doesn't let you ever see others' creations, there's no point to it. You know, I imagine it's like Pokemon Go where they just won't tell everybody that they're releasing a beta. Like yeah, that, that launched in like Australia first or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It launched and it lost yeah. with like, like a huge like lack of content and right. like missing features. Right. I imagine it'll be a lot like this where it they will sort of because that's the only way to do a big game like this. You have to like test it in the wild. The only way to do that is to release it, I guess. The other thing so. I'm curious about is if is if construction will actually be like live moment to moment because imagine going to like a Ducks game, for example, and sitting in the stadium and there's like 30 people that are all pointing their phone at the field and building something in live in real time together in the middle of the field and like writing messages. Oh my God, that I might be, go to football games. That could be actually super cool. Well, it was but a creeper you, after Marcus Mariota. Do you think the technology actually <laughs> exists for people to do this? Like, of course, you'd only, be able, you'd only be able to place blocks from your like angle of vision. But do you think this is like possible, Andy? Or is that too far-fetched? Possible, yeah. Um... Could Miku program that? I think is she Miku, good enough? I think Miku if, Miku could do it. I think Miku could do the it. The question is, is it attainable for Miku <laughs> to do it? But and that's a good question. Like I, I can ima- I imagine if you're making a game like this, you have to have that sort of immediate feedback if you're gonna try to make it so that other people can view at the same time. You know what? You know what I think makes it possible? Think about how clunky of an interaction system it's probably going to be. Like it's not gonna be like you can just whip out a uh a tower as fast as you can in like the right. PC version. You're gonna be tapping and like constantly rescaling, constantly zooming. It's gonna be slow regardless. Well, actually, that's an interesting thing to think about. Ostensibly, if you can only, and I'm only guessing, but if you if you're placing it in AR, you wouldn't be able to like turn the camera because you you, you would be the camera, right? Yeah, yeah. So to build a tower, you might have to physically walk around from each angle and maybe even to reach high you might have to get to a higher vantage point to look down upon the blocks to I would on, love to see which kids go to would the park be with ladders really cool yeah, oh, yeah. that's like that's a, like this is there's so much potential here real life scaffold, scaffolding for my yeah, AR yeah, yeah. tower yeah, yeah yeah and and if if they can deliver on that which hey when pokemon go was announced people were all kind of theorizing almost none of it came to fruition so i don't necessarily going to say that i'm Super optimistic, but like I'm paying attention. I'm curious. That's the big thing. We don't know much about this game at yeah. all. They just announced that it exists and they gave us a vague idea of what it is. And so. it's very specifically said not gameplay. So yeah. We, so so it's definitely something to keep your eye on. Yeah. Um, maybe it'll be the next Pokemon Go. This, maybe we'll never get another game like Pokemon Go ever again at that one summer. It Who really knows? seems like 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 the evolution of like. Remember they were making Minecraft Hololens. They probably after a point were like, yeah, we, well we got to do something with this tech, but we can't make this game. So. We do have one more thing on the list here before we go, and it's not really a big news story, just a little uh, thing, is that the Nintendo Switch has surpassed the PlayStation 4 in lifetime sales in Japan. Which... You say it's just a little thing, but the, the PS4 has been out for five years, I think? Yeah, yep, uh, 2014. The Switch has been out for just about two? Yep. Yeah, so... And it's it's hard to you know overstate how successful the PS4 was in Japan. Uh, many retail stores, if they even carry Xbox One games, they do so in a small, rotten corner where they <laughs> where they put the rats in the wet in the cobwebs. This is the spot for the rats. Yeah, you choose to place them here. This is the spot when, for Detective Pikachu's. When Xbox 360 <laughs> launched, they were trying to get the 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 Japanese market support. They had the uh, Final Fantasy guy come over and make Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey, and then after like the launch year. Uh, 
they apparently just decided to never again try to attempt that except for like idol master was an xbox exclusive and then you know microsoft come on guys you could have tried harder but now Nobody in Japan buys your games. If I remember right, there was like one month where the Xbox One only sold like 100 copies in Japan. Doesn't surprise me. And that probably was a significant month because they sold more than zero. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that, this is a great milestone for the Switch. I won't say it's entirely unexpected. I knew it would happen. But this quickly, though, I thought it would take almost the whole lifetime of the Switch for this to happen. I'm surprised. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense, like you were saying, because we've talked about this on other podcasts, but the idea that uh, a lot of Japan is a commuter culture um, as opposed to our, our weird like individualism highways, drive yourself there. Um, and that makes it mobile games and the idea of things being portable really, really popular. Yeah. Uh, so it makes perfect sense why the Switch would do really well. Um, and it makes me happy because the Switch is a cool console. Um, yeah. It's super cool. I know a lot of people who are not quote unquote gamers who are who are either interested in or already have a Switch, and it's like that's super cool. So here's one thing that I think is really interesting is that the Switch is sort of this like half step generational jump where it's technically next gen, but it's on par with current gen consoles. We're now in this run up zone where uh, the PlayStation Five is being teased very openly by Sony I mean, and Microsoft is out there. Hasn't Nintendo always occupied that space where they're always like one yep, half step yep, back? Yep, yep. They they have, and I think it's just a really interesting reminder that being the most powerful and the first released and the most well supported third party system is not the formula for sales success. Nintendo thrives on uniqueness, and the Switch is another just out of the park home run in terms of. You guys do your thing. We're not even going to make an online multiplayer system because we still don't know how to do that. But we're still going to sell gangbusters. Uh, by the way, what, does anyone know what a gangbuster? Where did that come from? What's a, what's a gangbuster? Sounds illegal. People who sell a lot of things. Sounds illegal? Wouldn't a cop be a gangbuster? Guys, you know what this means about the Nintendo Switch, right? No. Yeah, I'm not This sure. means that we have a new goal. The Emerald Games cast needs to gather more lifetime listens than the nintendo switch's lifetime sales by the time we reach our two-year mark in order to truly be successful why did you make the, i don't understand how and why you make, came to this no, goal no no shut up continue nolan because it's a call to action <laughs> i just want to say if you like the show you can email me at ngood at daily emerald so we can read your questions and talk about them on the air live here in front of our studio audience who so loyally shows up every Friday to watch our show. Thank you. Party of one. Thank you. And if you do that and drive our engagement up, we can get more listens. We can surpass the switch and we can become the new hottest thing in the West and also in Japan where the English podcast market is thriving. Right? Yeah. I listen to all my favorite Japanese English podcasts. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Emerald games cast switch version. Coming to a store near you soon as a physical media. Oh, so we're not allowed to make fun of Blue Apron, but you can plug the, the fact that it's not coming to the Switch? The podcast? Yeah. But it, I just said it is coming to the Switch. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> okay. You should buy our podcast instead of Lapis Labyrinth. Anyways. Or Blue Apron. Our podcast is free. That's right. But you should also pay for it. How? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, my name is Nolan. This was episode Wait, seven. Hold, hold up. You need to you need to explain the thing. About episode six? Yeah. We can't talk about episode six. Well, yeah, we're not <sighs> supposed to talk about episode six. We get in trouble for that. It's what? it's 
There is no episode six. Cut it off. Cut it off. No, I'm, I'm being. Cut this off. Danny, cut this off. Danny, put it away. Danny, don't talk. No, well, he won't hear I, episode six. I'm being silenced. Andy, if you talk about They're episode six, the only way you can get episode six is if you email me or Ryan and ask for it. It's the audio is corrupted, but we will send it to you, loyal listener in our studio audience, because you come every Friday to listen to us and you pay for the ticket. Anyways, Emerald Games Cast episode the number seven. I've been Nolan. I've been Alex. And she, she left. They took her away. Typically, Andrea will drop a closing quote here, but it sounds like you've got to do it this week, Alex. Right, Tell me, me. Drop me some wisdom. Hold on. Let me do my best Andrea impression really quick. I can't do it. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.